Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you want to finally find your soulmate so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and go on adventures together and have amazing sex together, then go check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with amazing free resources like my guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you could fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before I go any further, I have a question. How comfortable are you with feeling anger? How comfortable are you with feeling grief? How comfortable are you feeling lust? Are any emotions so uncomfortable that you choose or try not to feel them? When we don't feel our emotions, we're doing something called a bypass. And when we bypass our emotions by refusing to feel them, we're actually keeping ourselves stuck in pain. Because painful emotions don't go away by pretending they don't exist. Painful emotions go away by getting processed and therefore healed. People tend to think that the only solution for healing our emotional issues is to go see a psychologist. But psychologists only work with the mind. And ancient wisdom teaches us that emotions can't just be healed using the mind. Ancient practices like yoga and qigong and tai chi and tantra, stuff like that, they all teach about healing emotions through the body. And today, all over the world, there are new teachers emerging who are creating a variety of opportunities for people to use their bodies as tools for emotional healing. And in this episode of Women Wanting Women, I interview Bernadette Pleasant, the creator of a class called FEM that is all about healing emotions through movement. And here, the word femme is not used the way that it ordinarily is inside the lesbian community, and Bernadette explains more about that through the interview. But as you'll hear in the interview, Bernadette teaches that there are no good or bad or light or dark emotions. There's just emotions that need to be fully expressed. When we bypass our uncomfortable emotions, we're doing so because they're difficult. They're uncomfortable to pay attention to and be present for. But Bernadette stands for the idea that no emotions are negative. There are some, of course, that we don't want to have, but they're part of what makes us human and we're built for having them. Bernadette's class, FEM, is a place where people can go to move through and act out and give voice to our wide range of emotions in order to help heal them. Bernadette Pleasant is a fiery, sensual, intoxicating, and energetic speaker, somatic healer, dancer, entrepreneur, and creator of FEM, a transformative, immersive mind-body wellness program that empowers and celebrates people of all genders, ages, sizes, and fitness levels. Bernadette offers classes, private workshops, retreat, and conference engagements all over the world. You can learn more at livefem.com and other links provided in the show notes, but before you do... Please enjoy this interview with Bernadette Pleasant. Bernadette Pleasant, thank you so, so much for making time and for being here today. I'm so excited for our talk. Me too. What a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Jordana. Well, the first thing I want to ask you, beautiful goddess, is you have a girlfriend, but you're married to a man. Yes. How does all of that work? Uh, Very well. Um, yes, I am abundant. Um, I have a, I've been married to my husband, Ron, who's just this incredible, beautiful man. And, um, I would have never thought that was possible, but some years ago I fell in love with a woman and she is incredible. And yeah, I, I, my relationship has space for two. My heart has space for two. My life has space for two. And, um, yeah. So how did she, when you, I mean, you, you thought you were totally straight yeah. and then you meet this woman. How did that go? How did it happen? 
Well, you know, honestly, the way it happened was not, well, the way it happened was uh, we were, we were friends, we were friends and, um, and her preference is women. And she was, she, she came into my life at a very creative time. I was writing in my femme teacher training and I was immersed in work and, and she, she held such beautiful space for me during this time. And I think over the years, just with a lot of love and encouragement and just beautiful friendship, I realized one day that there was something extra there. Oh my gosh. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a physical attraction. It, I was aware of it. It was my heart. And this was very different. I have never, I realized my, I guess I had a pattern of the way I've fallen in love over my life. And that's been sort of a physical, something attracted me about a person. Usually it was something physical and then it grew from there and, and the heart came, became involved. Whereas this was very different. This was the heart, heart led the way, the heart led the way. And I'd never experienced that. And it was like, Oh, did you, when did you know? So how long after you met her did this, did you fall for her? It seems like you fell in love with her sort of. Yes. Um, in some sort of way I, as, as when she was just your friend. Yeah, absolutely. Completely. Um, uh, about a little over a year. So you had been friends for a year. Yeah. And then did you, so how, did she know this was happening? Tell me what was her first, did she know? Did you have to tell her? Hey, I did. I think when I, when I told her, she, she suspected she's very intuitive. And, um, so and she knew she had you at that point. <laughs> well, she didn't know how that was going to work because she's like, you know, you really love your husband and I do. Um, and uh, she wasn't aware of some challenges that he and I was having. Um, but but she knew you were dating people and... No. Oh. No, I was, I was not dating people. No. Oh, okay. Uh, and, um, and so I really didn't quite know what to... I, I would not have expected this. And, you know, when I became aware of it, I, I, I told her and... And, and I just said, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. And I, I've, I've never found myself attracted to a woman. I mean, or, or desiring to have a relationship with a woman. And, um, and, and I had a conversation with my husband about it and I said, wow. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and what I, what I adore, one of the many things I adore about Ron is Ron, he honestly, he, he wants me to be happy. And this was something that was undeniable. And so we, yeah, that, I mean, it was, you need to explore that. That's incredible. Yeah. So you didn't go into it wanting an open relationship. You literally found this person that you weren't even looking to flirt with because it was a female yeah. and found love. And he just allowed you to open that part of your life like that. Absolutely. And it's been four years now, you're saying? Yeah, we're no longer together, Oh, but I am involved with women now. <laughs> oh, another woman now. Okay, wow. Okay, there we go. So you really liked it. Adore her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She she converted you. I, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Well, we're glad to have you. You're spectacular. Well, it's nice <laughs> to be had in this community, and it's lovely. Yes. Um, so from that perspective, then, what do you love most about women? What do I love most about women? Oh, God, I love that. What I love most about women, uh, I love the endless possibilities of who we are. I love, I, what I love most about women are just probably the, the things I love most about myself, my endless curiosity, my fascination with beauty, and gosh, what's not to love? <laughs> yeah, what's not to love? I certainly agree with you about that. And we're so soft. I mean, seriously. <laughs> so soft and yummy. Um, and, you know, I think you have such a unique perspective on women from your position and the work that you do for the work that I've seen you do with, with, with Regina Tomashower, with Mama Gina. Yeah. Uh, you really are a leader of women and a woman that so many women look up to and follow. And so it's just beautiful. And I was, I just was excited to hear your take on that. Uh, you've also been someone who's taken on a lot 
of the work of emotions and the body, which is a very womanly thing, our emotions and our expression is, and how we express our emotions through the body. So for women who don't understand that, if you, if you met a woman for the first time who never encountered this idea before, what do you think is the most important thing for women to understand about their bodies and their emotions and, and how they connect? Gosh, I love this question so much, Jordana. I, I think what's most important to know about ourselves is that full and wide spectrum. There are so many feelings and emotions and, and I, I like to think of it as shades of color because there's just so many tones in there and to really feel into them and not bypass them that's the thing that to me is is acknowledging and being aware of of all that you have and so I think what happens often is a, an, an inability to want to look at something. And I think turning and looking at it, looking at what we experience on a day-to-day -day basis is what I want to encourage more women to do. Let's look at this. Let's not do any kind of bypass. Let's just look at, enjoy, and magnify all of that so that we're not making ourselves sick. We're not doing all the things so as not to feel. Even the negative, of course. Abs absolutely. And, and you know, I don't, I have this quote. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Bernadette quotable. And it is that there are no good, bad, light or dark emotions, only emotions that need to be fully expressed. So I don't think of emotions as negative. They're ones we don't want to have, but we're built for it. Right. So we don't want to feel jealous. We don't want to feel angry. We don't want to feel bitter and enraged, but we do. And that's cool. It, it is cool. It's not cool to get stuck there because you don't want a lifetime of that. And that doesn't, that's not self-serving, but it is all, it's great to really look at it. And let's take jealousy for an example. If you are feeling jealous, perhaps really looking at it is, would be actually I'm longing for something. I am desiring something. And because there's no language around that, it often um, just gets wheedled down to, to something that's, um, that, that's considered a negative. And it can be that, but if you really just turn and look at it as opposed to, uh, uh, use that word bypass again, because seriously, it's, it's, an inability to turn and look at it and say, hey, what's really going on with me here? So underneath even, underneath all jealousy, if you look deep enough and you just get into it, you're going to find longing underneath it all. I, I think so. I think there's a desire for something. And because you don't know how to have that, it's just easy to uh, become upset about it, to, to, to um, regurgitate the 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 fear or the 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 lack mentality that I don't have that rather than say okay what is it about that thing that I want what is it about that that I desire and where am I telling myself I can't have that hmm. so there's and, a longing along with an I can't have absolutely yeah absolutely and I think that a lot of times when it comes to a feeling when you talk about bypass people either are made to feel as we're taught or maybe because it's so uncomfortable, we think to ourselves, jealousy is bad, let's not feel it, which is a bypass. And then that's all. So not only can we get sick if we stay in the negative too long, but if we bypass it altogether, we could also get sick. That you, you can get sick, but you can also, you also um, cheat yourself of an experience that is possible. Talk more about that. A, the deeper dive of self-awareness the deeper dive of finding out what is this thing that I desire. Let's, let's take a relationship, for example. I think these are always great examples. So every once in a while, you come across what looks like a really healthy relationship. I mean, two people who really like each other, you know, and who doesn't want to have that if they're interested in having a relationship. And it is easy to be jealous of that experience as opposed to, say, you know, maybe I really want companionship and it's hard to find that. Uh, I, I want to feel like 
that relationship looks. I want that feeling of being held and adored by someone. And, uh, and, and admitting that. Yeah, and also in that in a situation like that, I think jealousy could be a good wake up call. I a lot of times what I used to do during times when I was really lonely, um, I would imagine other happy couples together, and I would imagine to myself that somewhere on this earth, like on the other side of the globe, two people just met. They are so psyched about each other. They totally <laughs> hit it off. They're gonna make out. It's yes. totally gonna happen. Yes. And I just get like butterflies in my stomach and excited about them because like literally every every second and a half new people fall in love just statistically if you think sure. of the billions of people on the planet so it's like popping all over the place it's such yeah. a good statistic and sometimes when I'm sad I like to think about those things because I'm a hopeless romantic <laughs> but you're right and jealousy could be a good wake-up call to remember if I'm standing here in the negative side of it maybe there's something beautiful on the other side we can reach into there's something beautiful and it requires a vulnerability with ourselves and others. And, and it's, so it requires us to go into these places that we'd rather not go because you're going to have to feel to go there. You're going to have to look at it to go there. And then it's just easier to be bitter and just walk around with your bitterness as opposed to your vulnerability. And, and that's really where you come in is with the feel part. Yes. Because I don't, you're not someone that really intellectualizes the emotional stuff. You're really get right more into where the emotions meet the body with your work. Yes. Is that right? That's correct. Because I think the, the emotions, whatever they are, if we're angry about something, if, if we are feeling some sort of lack, if there's grief in our body, rather than put a bandaid on it or rather than and use vices to not experience that thing. What I am suggesting and what I create spaces for is let's look at it. Let's, let's, let's go through this um, together so that we can come to the other side and you're going to be, you're going to be fine. It's scary because we don't see that modeled so much. It's scary because we don't want to feel it, and it's scary to you. Who the hell? When you know about a bad feeling, the last thing you want to do is go there more. Go towards it. Yeah. Here's the thing, though: if you don't go towards it, you literally just kind of carry it around with you. So I always refer to it as that shit on the shoe. Ooh, yeah, it's stinky every time you go into someone's apartment. That's it. Who brought the stink? Oh, it's me. If you don't deal with it, you're going to carry it around with you. Totally. What I love about your work, also, and I want to get into that, but. I don't want to skip over this because we really are just talking about the negative stuff and I have I know you of course through Regina Tom Shower's work uh-huh. and yeah. um, her I want to talk, talk about her model and I love your model too so starting because we're on it and we're on the dark okay um, can you talk about swamping and her model of how she deals with that uh, of, of clearing negative emotions Sure. Regina uh, uh, Mama Gina has this amazing exercise with with when it comes to swamping and what that is is speaking to the anger or rage that may be in the body and acknowledging that i i her work is so brilliant and it is it is what one of the things i love so much about mama gina's work is she brings the body into it which is it's brilliant because you don't want to just intellectualize about it and have a, you know, read a chapter on it. That, that doesn't do anything. You actually literally have to put it in your body. What is it like to feel anger and, and rage and, and express that thing, acknowledge it. And so she just puts on a song of rage Mm -hmm. and everyone literally throws their own temper tantrum of rage and honors themselves and honors the other women around them and observes each other and yeses each other and it's just raw and wild yes it is and and it's and it's it's so passion filled and it's a scary place to go because people don't want to they don't they don't want to say they are angry they, they much rather say i'm fine you know and they're really not it is important to do this work it's really important and there are so many benefits to it on the other side so can we talk about the benefits of moving emotions and, and not letting them get stuck? I really, I really want to dig into this because I think it's so important. Sure. Okay. So emotions live in the body and, and you, you feel stuck emotions in places. There, there are places where it feels like there's no oxygen in your body. There's places where it feels tight because they don't go away. They, they, they just get stuffed down somewhere. Um, 
and they can cause all kinds of things um, from from not being able to sleep at night to just being generally irritable and people mask them in so many ways uh, alcohol drugs eating shopping all many things that can create problems but these are ways of not using compulsive behaviors to not look at the emotions absolutely and so what's offered in them in and um, is taking a look at these things but we're talking joy uh, courage uh, there, there are many other emotions. So that's what I love about FEM is because I think that the one of the problems women have that I've noticed is, you know, you talk about taking an emotional tour yes. from beginning to end, going through all the emotions. And I think that's also so beneficial because so many of us get stuck. You know, some of us don't, you know, some people don't know how to touch their rage, but other people don't know how to get to joy, don't know how to celebrate, don't know what courage would be if it hit them over the head. So... Um, what I love about the work of FEM, which is totally different from, or not totally different, there are some, there are some overlapping aspects, but sure. what I found to be so special about your work is, is this emotional tour. So can you talk about what that is and what the different emotions are and what they look like? Absolutely. What is the emotional tour, Bernadette? The emotional tour is, is what happens in the nucleus of class in a FEM experience. Uh, so during the 90-minute experience, there is this core portion of class that's been created, and it's been created to take care of uh, participants emotionally. But what we speak to is how to move through, how to act out, how to give voice to these emotions. Uh, and the tour consists of five emotions, and that's uh, joy, grief, rage, confidence, and flirting. And in, their, their, in a longer workshop, we actually add in more, but in the 90-minute experience, those are the ones we do. And when putting this together, I, I worked with psychotherapists because I really wanted to take care of people so they can come into class. I refer to it as an emotional tour because we don't get stuck in any one emotion, and I'm guiding them. I'm their tour guide, or one of my teachers are their tour guides. And what's so important about that is, is the way it's constructed, the fact that African drums are playing to support the emotion. The reason for the drums are because it, the drums have a way of speaking to our nervous systems. They're the first sound we ever heard. They make us feel safe. They encourage us to get out of our heads and, and they, they can go the full range for us. So these drums are playing joy as I am encouraging people to act that out and sound it out. When you say these are the first sounds you ever heard, the first sound we hear in our mother's womb is the beating of our mother's hearts. Absolutely. And so drumming is the first thing we ever hear. That, no, we needed the drums because the drums can do something that piped music, or you know, which is there's such a beautiful range, um, variety of music, but live drums do something else to the body. It creates a hypnotic state. It, it creates calming. It can actually encourage you to move into any one of these fields. And, and people need to feel supported to feel. And so that's why my classes have the live drumming. I mean, if you tell me right now, Jordana, go get yourself into a state of joy. I, I guess I could do it, but definitely if you played some happy drum beat, it wouldn't take me half a second. I would just be bouncing around. You put a drum beat on there, it becomes so much easier to go there. Absolutely. Exactly. And so the drums really, uh, if you can imagine, they just, they, the class sits on this beautiful healing bed of what we call the heartbeat, and that's the drumming. And, and that drumming... Support and it's live African drumming every time. Live African drumming every time. Um, every once in a while, I get asked to teach a class. I'm going to be teaching a class in Mexico at seven in the morning um, on a resort. They've asked me not to use drums, so I'm going to use music for that. So I c it can be done without the drums, but my preference is to bring the drums. That's how we. That's how I created this body of work. But to, if you the dr rather than changing a song. Um, and supporting emotions, the drums fluidly can ground people. We start the class with such a, a womb-like feeling of grounding. We go into a hugging exercise. We then go on the emotional tour, and the drums support each of these emotions so fluidly.
And the purpose is to exercise the muscle of taking up space emotionally and to using our voices. Because what happens with strong emotion uh, is so often we lose sound voice. There's no voice to it. Uh, it just lives in the body as tense muscles or, or, or joyous muscles. But there's an encouragement to use your voice so we're we started with joy and i want to get into that but you you said the hugging exercises we do have to get back we have to at some point circle back, back i want to talk more of that what it is sure, more yes. about what that is but we started with joy yeah so what does joy look like joy looks like it, joy i i love for people to think about toddlers think about you know toddlers first of all toddlers show emotion in every ounce of their body they use their hands, toes, fingers, everything shows joy. If they're happy, if they're grieving, they give sound to it. They do all of these things. At some point, uh, we, we become stifled. We're, um, we're shushed or, or um, just shame is built around the expression of emotion as we grow older. We're told that that's not a good thing to do here or what have you. And so people start to show less and less emotion. So the toddler is who we were before shame took us away from knowing how to use our emotions. Absolutely. And so, which is very healthy, quite honestly, because what toddlers don't do is be, they're not mad every day. They're not mad three days later about something that happened a while ago because they've expressed it and they've moved on. Right. They close the cycle, but we keep, so that's an interesting thing because we do, we can hold on to things for a lot longer. Just hold on to it forever, you know, and, 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 um, and so, um, this body of work is about exercising the muscle, starting to exercise the muscle of taking up more emotional space and t doing so um, unapologetically. And so it's not just joy; it's big joy. It's big joy. It's big joy. Um, so what is that? What are some people doing in the room? What is, What are some expressions of joy that we want to just jump? You know, if we. I mean, I guess the expression is jump for joy. So are people jumping? What are they're jumping? They're they're elated. They're putting it in their hands. What does joy look like in your? Can we do hands? happy squeals? That like happy Absolutely. squeals coming out? Yeah, I want it all. So we there's wiggling. I mean, there's just what what unabandoned joy looks like. Yeah, I think joy is wiggling. I definitely think jumping and wiggling sounds about right. Yeah. So then from there, from joy, where do we move in the emotional tour? Into grief. Into grief. Now, why from one to the other so fast? Explain how that one... Well, because we're built like weather. I feel like we're built like weather. And some days it's a bright, sunny day, and then sometimes a cloud moves comes in. And it's not always going to be cloudy. Sometimes there's a, a earthquake, a tsunami, a rainy day, um, and and then the sun comes back out. So the, my point is to literally seamlessly go from one to the other because in our day-to-day -day existences, things switch, they change. You 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 know, things shift. They are not life sentences. They are merely shifts. Um, I wouldn't end with grief. So there's a there's an order to which the uh, emotions are put together. So then grief, how are some, how are we expressing grief then? Talk about some things that people, people are doing with, with their grief. What does the body do when it's grieving? Well, every, the, you know, what's also, what's very interesting to know is that my expression of grief and yours may be very different and it's all perfect. Totally. But I, I think some of the problem also can be, and the beauty of femme is you're in a room full of women and sometimes if we get stuck, you can just look around and try something else on for size. But, First of all, we're in a room full of humans because they're not always women. And right, in a room full of humans, sorry. Yeah, more, more and more, uh, it's more of a mix uh, these days, which I'm so grateful for, and we want that. But still, seeing seeing other people express things makes it easier. So if we're, if, for anyone who's listening alone and might think to themselves, if I wanna, if I'm feeling grief, I don't know how to get it out, what are yeah. some body movements that could be helpful for someone listening with that situation? Well, first of all, sensing and noticing it, um, there are techniques that I use to help people become aware of it. I ask them, you know, where do they feel it in their body? Allow their hands to go there. Um, speak to that body part. Literally, where is it? Just acknowledge that. But some people, you know, it can, it can be in their jaw. It can be in their heart. It can be in their belly, in, in their feet, knees. It doesn't matter. It's wherever it is for you. But, but just acknowledging that, um, giving it a color, noticing what that texture feels like for grief is often heavy. Um, or people give 
when I ask for color, for me, it's often murky brown. People will say black, red, purple. It doesn't matter. The per- all that matters is that they are acknowledging it. What does it sound like? What position does it want to put you in? You know, we are just acknowledging grief because sometimes we experience grief and it is healthy to acknowledge it not uh, and, and, and not bypass this. In between emotions, we do shaking. That shaking resets the nervous system. It is important to do that. And then we move to the next emotion. And keep in mind, during this whole thing, we have just gone from joy, the drums are playing, to really happy, ecstatic uh, joy. And now they're, they're, they're heavy. They're paying, playing to what grief might feel like. And I also, when I think of grief, I'm thinking, you know, sort of a shoulders bent, bent over, like a lot of that pain, yeah. like that agony in the stomach. You want to kind of bent over, kind <laughs> Absolutely. of, you know, tension People, in the fist almost. We see a lot of different things with grief, Yeah, um, with all of them, really. But uh, sometimes if there are walls in the room, people will be on the walls or some people will go onto the floor. I really encourage whatever it feels like for them. You definitely hear tears and um, um, crying sometimes, but we're only there for a few minutes. The benefits of, and I'll give an express, uh, example of grief, a benefit of this. Uh, a woman attending my class once said that, that when she was a child, six years old or so, her father passed. And in her culture, uh, the, the display of emotion was frowned upon. And her mother told her to stifle it. And how, as an adult, this woman was now in her 40s, and she said, ever since then, whenever grief came up for her, she would tell herself, stifle it, stifle it, stifle it. And she said, now here I am in this classroom. And she felt like she had mourned her dad in a, in a few minutes, really just without telling herself to stifle it. And then she was able to shake, move on, and forward. So I, I think that is just far healthier than stifling it, that pushing down of emotion. Absolutely. And just, you know, the, the having the invitation to go there, how often do you really have that invitation, you yeah. know, stand there and go deeply into your grief and move and, and feel it? Because and it has to be safe. Yeah. Right. In a safe space where and with drums supporting you. So then what comes after grief? Rage. Rage. Anger. Rage. Rage. Yes. Which is... It's sort of just like a more colorful, a little bit more almost exciting form of grief in some ways, right? Or is it totally different? It, 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 it's, it's different. I think sometimes there is, uh, I, I think often times, and, and I've just been angry, um, and, and many people just are, but sometimes there, sometimes one can mask the other. Often it's grief is masked by rage. It's so easy and accessible to say I'm angry than to say I'm sad. So sometimes... So you put grief before anger so that you don't do. pass it over. I do. And it is, it is easier to... Um, and because I really want to gently crack people open, or and what I mean by that is, is just open up a, a, a give access to this feeling um and the nuance because if you say start with grief and then you move to anger because this one you're really asking women to make the nuance between well there are so many different shades of that there, there are many textures of this we can be angry because we're so sad i love that there's this forced distinction forced distinction so that we can really get to know within ourselves absolutely how how the nuance feels and right and how to how to what i want uh, is more awareness of this emotion that you're experiencing and giving voice to it and the and to be able to say you know i i'm sad i am sad to feel and acknowledge that thing uh, just knowing you're not going to stay there you can you you can do something as simple as shaking um to try to reset the nervous system but more importantly being able to to look at it and say Today I'm feeling this way, and to share it with others because that's where the healing happens. The healing happens is in being witnessed. 
and not what we want to do often with rage or grief is is we lose our voices around it um so we get mute we're not willing to have a conversation and say to someone or even someone close to us like i am really angry about that uh, we, we find ourselves wrong for feeling angry so we, we go in that tailspin of circle what i also love about your distinction between grief and anger is if there's anyone who has, for example, some problems with anger management, maybe where they're too quick to anger, giving them this tour where they start with grief first, it could give people the ability to distinguish and say, no, I'm not angry. If they would just jump to anger, say, you know what, actually, I'm just sad. And yes. it could really help. I don't know if that's used in anger management. I've never taken an anger management class, but I imagine that would be quite effective. It, it, it is. Um, it is. And I have... Uh, taken and observed and really watched those things and anger management is about looking at the looking at the feeling and dealing with it and and anger is it, it's so often just just masked by lots of grief and it's looked down upon yes and especially absolutely. you know in relationships if we get angry there are sometimes um, people don't accept each other's anger and it does need to just be witnessed sometimes when we're in a relationship and we're mad at our partners we just want to be able to rage and have them hold the space for what we're mad at yeah anger is it anger takes on a lot of different you know I I don't want to be an angry woman. I don't want to be an angry black woman. Um, There's so many uh, nuances to this, and and it's been labeled and and wrong, uh, made wrong, and that's that's not okay. Um, yeah, and really, I think of all the emotions that you deal with, I would say anger is the one that's the most uh, I want to say looked down upon in sure. the world, and sure. we're made wrong for for feeling our anger. It's true. You know, there's a talk that I I gave, and I, I share an experience that I had as a child. Uh, I was in high school, and and this, this speaks to joy, quite honestly, because it's actually across the whole spectrum. But I had won an award, and I was the underdog. I was so excited, and I'd run home, and I wanted to share this moment this this all this excitement and I walked into the house and I saw my mom who was um dealing with depression um and I knew I did what I called emotional calculation I knew that what I wanted to share with her was I knew it wasn't going to be received well and so I didn't tell her how happy I was so and and it's amazing how many people can relate to not sharing joy with someone or any emotion not sharing or anger any. not sharing grief because you don't want to make bring people down i don't want to be a debbie downer I, not I, sharing I, your joy because the other person is is feeling crappy not sharing your anger because they're going to say that you're wrong uh, not sharing your confidence because other women are going to want to keep you down because the next one is totally. is the next one confidence i don't i don't remember exactly. oh yeah we and we yeah we go we go and actually the next one is lust oh um, i forgot to mention lust how could i forget um, um, and, and lust is really about desire. What do you desire? What do you want? What, what, what do you feel is, is rightfully yours? And, and what do you want more of? And whether that's, uh, uh, what, what do you want lots of like, what, uh, uh, what do you want in abundance? Is it, is it, is it travel or that job or that relationship? Is it love? Is it sex? Whatever it is, just, just wanting to be, greedy and finding yourself right with that yes to your yes to your hungry greed totally totally yeah we're definitely made wrong for feeling greed absolutely is greed wrong no i as long as it doesn't hurt someone else right no. as long as you right just enjoying fully fully enjoying our senses but not necessarily the point where we're taking it away from everybody else that's correct i mean you know you can enjoy your cake as long as you don't take all the cake from everybody else exactly yeah and you know and i i feel like you should really go for that cake you know handfuls of it you know if you like it have it absolutely um so when you go when you talk lust it's not just about sexual lust it's really all of the senses all of the pleasures that's correct. Then let's not leave the sexual out. <laughs> I'm just right, saying. Yeah. Because every good thing, you're deserving of every good thing. Because I think that that's also an emotion that not every woman is comfortable 
moving through just that physical sexual expression in the body yes and so you give space for that as well in the femme class completely because and lust i think is such a great example because for for whatever reasons just sort of not showing up in um you know with a lover as lusty as one might want to for fear of of looking too lusty or or being too um uh outrageous uh, so that tone down starts to happen. And, and, and I think it especially happens within the queer female community. A lot sure. of women have reported to me that because their sexuality was made wrong at a young age, yes. sometimes they're ashamed to show how much they lust for their partners because yeah. of... Um, fortunately, I didn't. I, I I was. I grew up in a sort of a sex positive household. Okay. So I wasn't changed in any I way. Didn't. Um, yeah. So, but I definitely have clients reporting to me that with their partners that they're lusting for, they feel almost ashamed to. But the partner, I I think that when we're there's nothing sexier than our woman partner wanting us. There's nothing sexier than our female partner desiring us. So she deserves Absolutely. our lust for her. Our partners deserve to to experience our, our full sense of lust for them. Completely. And imagine how much richer your relationship could be if there wasn't shame around this, where you could fully show up in, in all your lustiness and have that celebrated and, and how beautiful that would affect your your um your relationship and to uh, have it in a room where you're being commanded to go there where it's not being made wrong where the whole room is doing it you know it where it's just the right thing and it's what's being called for it's it's massive permission to go there you know it's primal and it's good and um and and having been shamed for so long uh around sex and 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 how how good that is um i feel like in that moment on the emotional tour not only am i going to encourage it but i'm going to put drums to it hell yeah <laughs> in people's bodies that this is a good thing and that this is a it's a great thing and it makes you feel good and for you and others you know every single emotion that we go through on that tour is is while it's short, it, it's potent. And that's one of them. Yeah, lust is definitely one of them. And I also love how, for all the women who met through the Mama Gina community, or the, the culture sort of that she, that, that Regina Tomashauer built for her community, uh -huh. in the same way that she has the swamping tool for anger and grief, there is a, a, a cultural, I mean, I love how women in her community all also, I love how so many women in that community also explore sensual movement classes, whether it's lap dancing yeah. or pole dancing or things that can really help us get more in touch with our, uh, with, with our lust. And I, I think, I, I think it was a great suggestion from her learning from her that that's a great thing to explore. I've gone to classes myself. I thought they were incredible. Um, yeah. Sensual movement is and you know what what I love about um, the recommendation of doing that I've done that I, I continue to do that movement is so important and to move for oneself is what that recommendation is um, it's not the outward show to you know turn someone else on it is about Finding your own turn on. So good in your own turn on. Because if you are in your, I love how I can't be still while I'm talking about this. Um, but I wish, if, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't usually release the video of this, but we're, I'm getting my own little fun dance right now. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, when you are really just in your own turn on, I mean, seriously, there is nothing more beautiful or powerful because you are not, there's there's a different quality. I'm stretching all over the place. There's a different quality about this kind of turn on. It's turn on from the inside out. So rather than come with the mindset of oh I am going to turn her on. I I am going to uh, make this look good for someone. That that's a that's a that's presentational. But if I feel good within myself, if I am moving and doing sensual movement that feels really good to me, it can only look good to her. And that's what I love about the um, sensual movement classes. 
I love that too. And I also love that we're that that there is this opportunity because we're not taught these things as little girls. Yeah. Even in and my parents, you know, there was certainly no shame around sex, but they weren't teaching me how to give a lap dance or anything. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and and I don't mean a lap dance in a presentation like you say for someone else, but just for yeah. getting into your own just getting turned on yourself because at the end of the day it is just our it's our responsibility to, you know, the, the our sex drive is our responsibility at the end of the yes. day. Mm-hmm. So that is lust. I love it. What comes after lust? Confidence. Mm, what a great Confidence. transition. It's such a great, and it's so interesting to hear the sounds that ha- start to happen in the room just by dropping uh, the, the tour stop into the room. It, it, you just, you, you hear, you know, grief, for example, you hear, oh, you, you generally hear like uh, the sound and the confidence. It's like uh, all of a sudden you start to, notice what happens in the body, how the physicality changes. Good posture, shoulders back, chin up, smiling. People have gone from grief, rage, where they're really, they're, if you can imagine their heads are down, their their fists are bald, and, and these are some of the general things. And you say, and now you do the shaking, and then you go into confidence, and shoulders drop back. Um, the spine becomes erect. Um, and it, it takes a moment, but then there's this, you know, there's generally speaking, heads lift as people walk around the room. They are now making eye contact with people Absolutely. that they didn't have in rage. Rage was different. Rage was icy. Rage was definitely more sharp. And now there's there's a whole different physicality. The drums are strong in supporting this. The walks that start to happen around the room. It's just so beautiful to see what happens in the shoulders and asking people where they see and feel that in their body. Um, and, and then we, we do some mantras in there often times, um, because that's something. Just what are some good confidence mantras that you recommend? Oh, oh basically, literally just looking at someone as you're walking by them and just saying, I am confident. It, it is really I am confident. I am confident, but it but it is this giving voice to it, and then we put ourselves in positions of physical confidence, as if statues are being erected to this feeling. And you start to watch how much space people take up, and and it's encouraged that they take up space. That literally, as they're putting their bodies into a position of what confidence looks like and feels like, um, it 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 anchors and leaves an imprint um, on the psyche. On the, and it's it's a gorgeous feeling. And what I love is that confidence follows lust. And I think another thing that I really took from Mama Gina's community and from her work is that connection between uh, where she talks basically about walking with pussy, like feeling yourself from sure. having your comp, you know, walking around, paying attention to your. Walk. Yeah, <laughs> it's a different walk. And she she um, I had never. I guess practice. I never thought to just practice the walk with that sort of mindset. With that but mantra. yeah, I think in that mantra she uses. Have uh, it, I don't remember the exact have, mantra, but what is it? Something. I have. I have a gorgeous pussy. <laughs> or what, awesome. or 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 I have a you know. A, fill in the blank, but you give yeah, us some sort blank. of. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But um, still, with just that focus on walking from walking from pussy almost, which is absolutely which I had never conceived of before. But you can just when you see women walking all around with that mindset, it's it's awesome. And by you going from lust into confidence, that sort of happens even without the instruction. You're sort of taking women there, sort of automatically. Exactly, and and so that flow is re- is really important. But what also starts to happen is the next tour stop is such a shoe in because. Incompetence, incompetence, and 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 not not when you're like powering through confidence, because when you're powering through, it feels like you're you're putting on armor. Uh, it can feel like that, but when confidence, and we do a few little exercises in there um, by saying it and making eye contact, and then going into the positions and a uh, couple other things, it actually starts to become playful, which is why when we go into the next tour stop, a flirt. 
it's, it's, it's almost like a natural shoe in because once you're feeling confident, once you're really feeling confident, you can have fun with it. And I like that you don't go straight from lust into flirtation because then it could get a little bit too much. Yeah. So you break it up and you make it the flirt more about a connection between people and not just a sexuality thing. And I love how Mama Gina's work also does talk about flirtation as just about bringing fun and play to all situations, not necessarily sexuality. One of the things um, that Mama Gina mentions that I love, and I, I often give her credit for this this statement because I love it so much, and it's it's so perfect. It's it's that flirting is not about getting something from another. It is about being so full on yourself, so in love with yourself, so filled with your own confidence that it spills out. And that others get to witness that. So that's what flirting is. It's not about wanting something from another. And, and it's confidence, about but also joy and playfulness, too. And just so having fun. Full. Yeah. So high on you. Yes. Yeah, high on you. High I love on the that. It's brilliant. Yes. I lo- it is brilliant. I also really love it. Um, is, is flirtation the last stop on the emotional tour? It is. Yeah. I it is the last, last stop. stop. It's a great last stop. It's fun, and um, and and then uh, yeah, we tend to move into a drum circle because you've just done in in a very uh, you know that a emotional tour takes about fifteen minutes or so, but after that, that has been intense it, uh, release work, and so then we we move to the drums. Literally, just um, have a, have some time to just move that through the body because the movement and the work is how it's it's sort of like how the, the way the medicine is snuck in you know and it would be unfair if you brought a you know a group of people in a room of live drums and then you just didn't give them a drum circle oh of course they need a drum circle and everyone needs a drum circle i need one all the time and um and i it's it's interesting what comes up with that the drum circle literally is I, I often say the drum circle is how you do life. So the drum circle, um, I'll invite people in, um, or sometimes I just encourage a particular person to come in, but take note what happens right here. Are you freezing and holding back? Are you judging yourself about whoever is in the circle dancing? Or are you willing to just throw caution to the wind and jump in there? And that's where the magic happens and that beautiful release that can happen one-on-one with the drummer for the different participants. That's awesome. I really want to know, um, so that's basically the emotional tour and I love it and the ending, the drum circle. But because you've done so much work with women, I, I was really hoping to get any observations or insights that you can share about friendships between women and relationships between women who are friends. Just, you know, understanding women from the perspective you have from all the work you've done with women because this podcast is about women who are building relationships with women mm-hmm. i was um looking for you to speak to observations you have about as women relate with each other i think women want to relate with each other better and i think opening the door for that um it is really important and key. It's something I need. Um, and I, I see the need for it in others. Uh, I think women are, I, I think innately we, we, we commune together beautifully when we feel safe. So I think the doors need to be open and I want, I desire to see more of that. Me too. And again, just keep on circling back. One of the things that I love most about Mama Gina's work are the tools and the modeling she gives for how women in her community, it's, it, they're tools for forming friendships between females, which I love. Yeah. And I think that if all of society knew about those rules and worked with them, you know, starting with just when you're in her community, the idea is every female around you is a sister goddess. Yes. And, um, and treated like a sister and and encouraged to be bra- to brag and to show your se- and to be your best self and encouraged to speak your mind and holding space for each other. Um, and Indeed. Yeah. I haven't found a body of work like hers that is um, 
is so solid and from the like from the from the foundation from the root it is it is modeled and sh and therefore you see it as it permeates so healthily throughout the community because yeah, yeah. she herself is modeling it and encouraging it and she knows how to do it she know meaning she knows how to have friendships and sisterhood and therefore it is modeled from its very core and when you're in her community really able to see i i, I would observe women all around me that i that would speak to having such trouble connecting with other females and the next thing you know they have these lifelong yeah. best friends because there are tools provided and the walls between each other broken down which i think is amazing do you have any tools that you like for anyone that's listening what are some things that anyone can use going forward to ha start having better relationships with other women well one of the things i think happens as a result of of my work is literally just acknowledging that what you are experiencing and feeling so so what happens with that uh so now you've taken you've gone to a femme experience and or or you you looked at my work what because of the honesty and vulnerability you now have with yourself you are better equipped to then have a relationship friendship with someone else because you're because you're not you're not going in closed and tight you're 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 encouraged to 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 be your full self unapologetically and that's who I want to be a friend with I want to be friends with someone who is more inclined to be all of who they are and and because what that does is it encourages me to be all of who I am right they're not busy guarding their own parts of themselves they're just ra are raw and open and out there and just have more of themselves to give to Correct. the friendship and to the whole relationship. Uh, you talk about that in, in terms of playing small versus playing full on. I've heard you talk about that before. Yes, um, yes indeed. And and that's, you know, and, and that it takes time. It takes time. It's, you know, it's not going to be a, these are relationships build and they grow and they, um, um, but, but to have that as a, as the soil that you you're planting this relationship um, into gives it a healthy uh, foundation. Absolutely. There's one one question I really I can't uh, let you off without addressing. Oh, we were going to get back to the hugging exercise, and oh. then I have one last question. Let's talk okay. about hugging. And you start uh, your class with hugs. I do. I do. I I. Um, I start my class with hugs and, and you know, uh, I'm, and what does that mean? What's the instruction that you give? How do you start the your instruction class? Instruction is to first to, to, to recognize the need for a hug, uh, perhaps offering one to themselves. Um, but there's this, this quote that I just love. It's a study that was done and it is that it takes four hugs a day to survive eight hugs a day to maintain and 12 hugs a day for growth. And I, I love that so much. I mean, most of us are you know, starving <laughs> when it comes to this because, but the mind, whether imagined or real, we, we benefit from imagining and having the hug. And so you're oh, saying even, so the 12 hugs can be hugs that we imagine and give to ourselves yes. in order to grow and That's not starve. Cool. That's correct, and to not. Um, but but what our bodies are flooded with all these feel good hormones that are released when there's touch, when there's connection, when there's giving and receiving of a hug. It's very vulnerable to do. Uh, some people absolutely love it. Other people sort of uh, shy away from it, and it's all perfect because we, you know it. It's it's what one's able to allow for in a particular given time so it's not forced uh, it needs to be consensual and it's important to just feel and connect um, I, and I, I, it, it sort of levels the playing field before the class begins uh, and it's often at the end of class something many people say how they don't even know the last time they allowed themselves to be hugged that they hugged someone, um, feeling that connection just felt so lovely, and it wouldn't have happened if they weren't asked to do it. You know, it's not something 
people generally do is, um, but, but to do it in that safe space, really, um, it creates a connection and a bond for the classroom. Right, which then allows for a lot of intimacy for the yes. rest of the emotional work that you're going to do. Which makes it help. It, it's, an, it's, it's, it's a softener. Intentionally, yeah, yeah. That's it awesome. Yeah. So you call your class FEM, which yes. has a very specific meaning in the queer female community that I know is not the meaning that you, uh, or it's sort of you're talking about, the it's, it's the same word, but it's in a different sense. Uh, where did you come up with your name, Live Femme? Yeah, Live Femme is, to me, I, I think of the curve, I think of the, uh, the flow um, um, of emotion. When I think of, when I named Femme, it, it, you know, I know its connotation in the community, and I think that is, well, that's that's great, but that wasn't what I was thinking. What I was thinking of was the feminine gives birth. It gives birth to to uh, fullness, richness, and 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 what I want to do is foster an environment for flow and and curve. And that's and what I mean by flow and curve, I mean is all the complexity and topsy-turviness of emotional work um i i it's become very rigid and 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 well, the I masculine will, is that rigidity and then the fe the feminine archetype is that more curvy the expression more curvy. of more emotions Absolutely. and so this is really more about an emotional archetype than it, it is, is about a physical way of of choosing clothing or hairstyle or anything. Exactly. It really is. And so I get asked the question a lot, you know, and, and I, I'm, I was so clear on why I was doing it. I wasn't at that time. And I thought, well, you know, okay, that's perfect too. <laughs> um, but that it really, my, my reason was because of this no stopping flow of a, of a, of a river, just, giving constantly giving birth constantly evolving constantly moving forward and finding more and more fluidity and curve and whether you were born a male human yeah or whether you were born a female human or whether you don't believe in gender at all sure. there still are um, masculine archetypes and feminine archetypes that exist in nature and the more that each of us can express both of them because there are times in life where even the most girly females on earth could still benefit to step into a more of a straight, straight line masculine archetype, get things yeah. done in a certain way. There are times when we can call upon that, which is, you know, understood as more of the masculine archetype than more about the feminine archetype. It's not really about gender at all. And it's not it's really not about gender expression at all. Um, these are ancient, um, these are more just ancient concepts. And so the name being borrowed from this, this much more ancient thing, Yes. It came way before uh, any style. Yes, <laughs> ever existed. I, exactly. Yeah. No. It's it's that's that's what it, it had to. I had to put a name on it, and at the time, that was what I decided to do. It. I added an exclamation point because I thought the work deserved it. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. For sure. So, where can women who want to learn more go to learn more about about you to find your class? They can find us at livefem.com. That's L-I-V-E-F-E-M-M-E.com. And all our social media is livefem. I look forward to um, sharing upcoming workshops and teacher trainings and my 90-minute experiences that I offer uh, around um, the world, actually. And uh, I have... I have close to 70 teachers now who are teaching this throughout the U.S. and and we're international now. So yeah, go to the website and find what we're offering. In. Yeah, livefem.com and go to the next available class and get some hugs and move through an emotional tour and leave feeling flirtatious and enjoy a beautiful drum circle of live African drumming. Although I don't recommend the 7 a.m. one on the beach at the resort because you may not get the live drums. Yeah, the 7 a.m. was a little tough, but um, yeah. <laughs> they're, but they're, any other time. But if you want a non-drum class, it's still probably a great way to spend your 7 a.m. Indeed. Absolutely Indeed. worth going to either way. Thank you so much, Bernadette, for your time and Thanks for sharing you. your wisdom. Thank you. And now I would love to hear from you. Bernadette and I talked about a lot of things in this episode, but I'm curious, what of all the things we talked about was the most impactful for you? 
head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. And if you're ready to finally find your soulmate so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and have amazing sex together, then there are tons of free resources that can help you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a class on the number one thing you can do to end your loneliness if you're single, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a quick guide to the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, a guidebook for finding your lesbian soulmate, and a free matchmaking survey you could fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free on my website at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of those things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you find your soulmate faster and easier and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other women that you think could benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, don't forget that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women. 